This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. Hello and welcome to My Favorite Murder. Your uh, true crime podcast for when you're feeling spicy. Or sultry. Or salty. Or, uh, you know, synonymous with sexual feelings. 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 (laughs) It had to be an S. Let's go over. Let's take it straight into the gutter at the top (laughs) so we can come back out and go to heaven at the end. This is like, you know how Cosmo will have like the sex episode. Oh, and it's the thickest magazine you've ever seen filled with garbage. This isn't that. (laughs) I used to like the Cosmo pull out um, bedside astrologer where you could pretend that you could read a a little uh, waste of paper pamphlet about your your sign and that was going to tell you what kind of dudes you're going to have sex with Uh, in the following year uh, and i remember reading it like i had to read it and i felt like it would be that it was somehow like a vision board yeah like if i focus on this enough this might happen to me where it's like like, what does it mean someone i already i've already met my mr right exactly like who could it be i wonder if it is that guy scan your brain for every single person you've met let's i'm gonna read you your sex horoscope right now really all right, Shouldn't let's I? hear it. Sure. We can always edit it out if it's I stupid. I feel like this, okay, let's just say up top for all those people that drive around with their kids listening because they oh. think it's kind of funny. This is going to be our triple X rated show today. It's summertime. <laughs> it's hot outside. Okay, monthly sex scope for Taurus. <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> Taurus woman? Mm-hmm. Karen. Yeah. This is for June of 2018. So you better get on this because it's halfway over. Yeah, I'm not going to. Okay. Okay. Seduction blossoms on hot summer nights, Karen. (laughs) Really? It says your name in it. It's weird. (laughs) Beginning as early as the first week in June. Is that true? That's my private business. Okay. That's when a grand water trine followed closely by a quarter moon on June 6th. What? Could ignite a long, sexy, and overdue discussion. No. Yes, it says that. <laughs> I swear to God. I don't want to have a discussion. Da, 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 you approach a confusing. Blah, blah, blah. Let's get to now. Uh, <sighs> a cranky Mars retrograde starting on June 26 contributes to the relationship altercations that arise, Karen. It's not you being a fucking crazy bitch. <laughs> it's fucking Mars. This, it's this Mars trine yeah. that I can't get away from. It's not that you ate you didn't have enough protein and you <laughs> screamed at him about his fucking car being disgusting. It's not that I went through his phone when he was in the bathroom right, at and, all. I like, found something not that incriminating, but it's Mars for fuck's it's sake. It's Mars. Uh, a full moon in Capricorn, blah, blah, blah. Neptune is in here. Saturn is in here. To the moon and wildly painting the whole day in rose-colored hues. Today, it's difficult to decipher whether it's real love or just old-fashioned lust. 
So there you go. Well, it's not always the way. I mean, I mean, it's not the great human puzzle. Is this person that you're hitting up at uh, one thirty four a.m. Uh-huh. trying to swing by their house? Mm-hmm. Is that love? Is it? Is that what lovers do? How can one know other than reading their daily sex horoscope? <laughs> one would never know. Or their private texts. Or their private texts. I love the idea. I. It's not like I'm not the kind of person that wouldn't read people's private texts. But I, I'm 100% for it. I just want to go ahead and say. Are you for it? 100%. Getting up into people's business like that? Like, read, read your person's shit. Okay, but here's okay. what I... I fine. This addendum. If you're going to mm-hmm. be so brave and strong as to bust in and read your person's shit, mm-hmm. when you find out shit that destroys your heart and life mm-hmm. and soul, you don't get to say anything because you fucking did it. You did it to yourself. Yes, you do. They're, why are they? Why are they doing shit that's going to destroy your heart, life, and soul? And at least you got you found out about it before you, they kept doing it. Yeah, but you you can't you don't have a leg to stand on once you have been the crazy person that is reads private information because this person so you find out they're cheating on you it's you you shouldn't have read their text well if you, if there's like I'm saying w- the thing I've made up in my mind is okay. you're doing this cold you're having a great relationship and oh. you're like oh we just went to the bathroom I'm gonna I'm just gonna poke around okay it, quote, what unquote, do you find? innocently then you find what I'm saying is yeah. if you find something bad in that. Mm-hmm. You have to know going in that's a that's a more than fifty percent possibility. I mm, is this a relationship podcast now? We, I don't know. I if it so is, it's thoughts. the worst, right? <laughs> I guess uh, I'm just saying. I don't think so because I everyone's think, a liar though. Everyone lies. You can't if you, you you have to go in knowing you're going to find something you're not happy with. Yeah, but know that like at what point you know you can be you can tell them. I don't know. Clearly, I fucking have read Vince's text and found some shit I didn't like. <laughs> we all have. And was like, what's up? I read your fucking text. Yeah. But I mean, isn't there something that in whatever the argument then becomes? Because all arguments become, here's my list of everything I've done right versus here's the list of you, everything you've done right or wrong, whatever, right? I'm thinking of like cheating. I feel like it kicks the legs out from under you where then he's like, well, yeah, because you're this crazy bitch. That's I why I cheat on crazy. you. Oh, no. I'm just saying. Huh. Well, you wouldn't want to date a person that would say something like that anyway, yeah. but I'm just saying. I feel like the move itself is is such a big move. As someone who has a lot of paranoia and anxiety about relationships and I and being played a fool, I just want to make sure that the person that they're portraying themselves as is correct. So if I do a fucking quick scroll of your ex-girlfriend's name and your Gmail and nothing comes up, I'll put the phone away. Great. But like, I think due diligence, I think your due diligence is good. Like if at any point in a relationship, X would have looked at my phone and been like, and looked for something, he wouldn't have found anything. True. Because I wouldn't do anything to compromise my integrity. But that's a good flip because if you do that, if a guy did that to you, he would be a weird controlling monster. No, I'd just be like, are you not? Like, are you, am I doing? Is there something in our relationship that makes you think that something's not right? Because let's just fucking talk about it. Got it. But if the, you say that, but and then the guy's why? Like, no. It, like I, you know, then it was. It'd be like. So you're saying your searching isn't random or just for fun. It's because you have your suspicions yes. or something came up. Right. Got it. I was. I was but more talking about. I was actually thinking of the time that I was in my friend, uh, my grammar school friend Connie's room and I found her diary I was like oh. laying weird on her bed and I looked and her diary was there so I just pulled it out and started reading it 
and she walked in we were never friends again she walked in and was like that's my diary and then i was like oh well i it's just here i wanted to read it i want to know what your private thoughts are and then i just was like oh yeah that's the kind of thing i've or like i've uh one time i opened a family friend's nightstand because the adults (gasps) weren't home never do that and yeah what'd you find I found proof of people having an affair. And <gasps> I was like, stand? I was 10. Jesus. And what it was, was I couldn't tell anybody. What was the proof? Pictures. <gasps> yeah. But you saw naked pictures? They weren't naked. No, it was just, it was more actually romantic. Uh-huh. But I didn't, I told my sister like two years ago. It was that big of a like, uh-huh. I went like, oh shit. And then I was like, why do I do shit like this? I don't want to know this well, about. Well, I think it's different with your friends and family than with your like, the person you're like planning to spend your life with, you know? No, that's true. Well, you're now very specifically thinking of like, I'm not attacking you for oh. you, you, whatever happened. It to feels you like dance, it. But. Can I look at your phone and make sure you're not attacking me? I feel like I'm being attacked right now. <laughs> I just think you can really open up a can of worms that you never, like you think you yes. know what you're going to find. Yeah. And then you fucking are like, wait a second. He ships human beings across state lines. And you're like, fuck, I have to yeah. go into hiding. I agree. This hey. has been the Zodiac sex calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the staircase because everyone wants to see. Oh about my god. The staircase. That's I mean, Twitter. I'm gonna say this. Okay. I never don't like the obscure ones that are like randos where they're yeah. like, hold on, somebody just said, Did you see the fear of thirteen? Which is a documentary. I love that. Yeah. Where it's like, I love when it's random. Yeah. Because I don't really follow the like you know, dateline specials and the ABC specials and stuff like that. So those ones I like. Also what I love is when Josh Mankwitz retweets like this is going to be a good episode for date, oh, for dateline do that? i follow him on twitter I he retweets he's, the best shit he's great he's so funny like and he's cool. someone i want to hang out with in real life they he has that hilarious thing where the i think it's the nbc stories like they haven't they're not carrying the dateline products and he was like oh. pretending to be mad they don't carry his cutout. oh my god he's so delightful he is. we should have him hang out with us we should we should make we him. should force him mm-hmm. um okay but the staircase did have some extra episodes that were new okay that i haven't watched because first of all it's not it's made by the same people who made what seems to me a very fucking bias documentary mm-hmm. so i'm not going to find anything earth shattering and new but again when it's from the same people yeah but then again maybe it will convince me that maybe he's innocent so I should watch it just as due diligence. I feel like uh, my thing is, yeah, we've we've kind of been sub, sub, merged. Submerged sub- is such a weird word. But we've been in that documentary and in that story yeah. for a long time. If you haven't, by the way, episode 100, our 100th episode, we dis- that's the only murder we discuss. And I'm on Adderall and I apologize for <laughs> I can now admit, how many episodes out are we? 15 115 125 125. so 25 episodes out karen i'm just i'm you okay karen's hyperventilating oh shit i I just she broke her mic ladies and gentlemen i just want to say i'm i get really (laughs) i get really passionate and i interrupt karen through the whole thing i had a lot of shame afterwards you did i I felt bad for you afterwards because you you uh, shamies and i just want to say don't do drugs <laughs> i i am i have add i'm prescribed adderall but after that i went back to my psychiatrist and it was like it's not working for me anymore <laughs> she gave me something else 
But that was also that combination of us being crazy excited yeah. and breaking format, yeah. which isn't an easy thing to do, sharing a murder and then And then you and I didn't it. agree, which was right. like, that's that was the perfect example of what I'm normally like when I have a conversation about true crime with someone. Right. Is I yell at them. Sure. <laughs> if they don't believe me. And I love, you know, I love yelling. Yeah. But it... it I'm sorry, because that made me laugh so hard just because I, first of all, I love that you just said that and you were that honest. And secondly, I love, I feel like we just have different, um, you know, like I say, like when something happens to me, I I won't be able to talk about this for four days because I can't process. I don't know what happens real time. I have to wait for later. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh And I think your yours is three months. (laughs) You're just like, can I, I don't want to, I don't want to write this second, yeah. but like, I'll be able well, to go thereafter. Because I want to make up for it before I uh, admit that it was, you know, I, I want to prove that that's not going to, like episode three if, or 103, if I had said that, it would have been like, you need to go take care of that. And it's like, let me take care of this. Sure. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, you're saying... I admit I did this and it's no longer a problem. I need to rectify it. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to have an intervention with me. I cleaned up my own mess. Right. Please don't worry about exactly. it. I love it. I, you know what? Full respect to that always, honesty. But I'll always talk about my fa- my failings and faults because Please Jesus, do. what else is there to talk about? It's the most interesting thing to talk about. Uh, also, I think the thing with Adderall, well, my thing is just, I don't understand the Adderall high specifically, but having been it's, a speed addict, right. I recognize the intensity, intensity and I don't mind it. I, I love it because, but, it, but the only thing with that was it started to feel like a facts argument, which is my yeah. least favorite part about oh, true crime yeah. obsession is, you know, the thing I get the worst wrong, which is like, I'm not paying attention to the dates, the seasons, the months, right. the years I'm going they had a knife in their fucking eye or whatever right. horrible like i'm obsessed on the detail experience experiential detail as opposed to you know i'm not a cop i'm not me, reporting it what upset me and it probably still would but i just wouldn't scream at you about it is that we, the conclusion that was kind of like to me it's like we watched the same thing how did you not come to this conclusion you're my friend like and it's just like but i need to let people have opinions and also what i was saying wasn't necessarily like my like in my hard opinion i was like yeah but what if this yeah but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i apologize for that thank you so go listen to episode 100 (laughs) (laughs) and then in episode 200 this time karen will be on adderall (gasps) can i just for the show just for an example I love it. You, I mean, I had a friend tell me when, right as my speed era ended and I stopped doing it, she was like, oh yeah, I, I don't think you noticed, but I was not friends with you for two years. I could not be around you. I was like, I didn't notice. Oh yeah. You didn't notice. I didn't notice anything. anything. <laughs> I was talking and smoking like all day. Yeah. I slept for t- two hours a night. Jesus, It was rough stuff. Ugh. And it was, it's not fun to talk. Uh, or for the experience of being around re- me is the only interaction can be, did you see this thing? I hated it. You're wrong. Whatever yeah. you say is wrong. You yeah. could hate it and just be hating it wrong. Right. I couldn't let anybody off the hook people, for anything. People drive me crazy who do that when you're like agreeing with them and they don't. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Because you know what it is? That habit when people go, no, but, and yeah. they're not listening to the right. point you're making. They just need to possess their opinion independently yeah. of it. It's like you could never understand what their opinion is. It's like they're closer to it than you are. And yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Fine. Good. <laughs> Get it all Have the way it. up in there. I don't need it. God bless you for it. God bless you. My cats don't talk back. 
That's why we have pets. That's why we have pets. And drugs. <laughs> Coffee. Well, wait. I wanted to ask Steven. This is... You're not in the middle of something, are you? Are I mean, we in the middle of something? Always. No. Wait, was I? No. No. Oh, we're just staircase. We're just ta- explaining why we're not jumping on this staircase bandwagon. Right. But we love... I didn't mean to be so harsh in the beginning. We love that people are this excited. Totally. It's super fucking cool. We'll... By next week, we'll watch... We'll have watched the new ones. By next week, we'll book club the Staircase series. We'll have uh, browse the new ones, I should have said. We'll browse them. We'll get mad at certain people. We'll be able to talk about... I'll do my nails. My nails will look great. I'm going to wear a tweed suit. I'll dress like a North Carolina lawyer. An owl? Oh. (laughs) I will wear a full owl suit. What if we dress Elvis up as an owl? (gasps) Oh, my God. Yeah. Steven, start the costume now. Steven, sew it. Steven... You just got back from Europe because you tell the people what oh. you did in Europe. Well, I never thought I would do this in my life, but I flew. You didn't because I was not surprised oh, in well. any fucking way when you told me. I just, I mean, I just never thought I would be somebody to basically. I really wanted to see the new Jurassic Park movie early. Of course, you have a because, podcast about yeah. Jurassic Park. Have you ever said that on this podcast? I don't think about so. please do see Jurassic right. I just. Everyone just shares their Jurassic Park stories. I love it's my it. favorite movie, and <laughs> um, and you have fifteen podcasts. Yes, yeah, they're uh, all about a different animal. Yeah, oh, one animal at a time. But um, <laughs> no, I just like the idea of like traveling to go see something I like. I, I totally. And so I've because it came out early because of the World Cup. So oh. they're like Universal was like we don't want to compete with the World Cup because pe- our people aren't going to go to the movies. Oh. So yeah, I flew to London to see the Jurassic uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom early. So and that's part that's number three part. Well, it's the fifth Jurassic Park in the second Jurassic World. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. it's good, right? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it three times now. I said to someone, I don't have to have watched the last two if I, to see this new one. As if you I'm said like, that to us. Yeah. Did I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look at you. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll have a good time either way. Okay. It reminded me of like Pan's Labyrinth. Fucking, you don't need to know shit to watch that with Stephen. Yeah. Come on. Pan's yeah, yeah. Labyrinth was great. Yeah, it reminded me of like Pan's Labyrinth. It has okay. more of like a gothic fairy tale vibe oh that's great did you meet a lot of cool people there uh yeah it was like there were some other people that flew out and i saw with my friend katie and then i saw with my friends uh tom and this guy clayton really nice guy i love it um but i was gonna (laughs) say when you're saying think of london stories well the funniest part about the whole thing was i made this plan like two months ahead to go see it and then the day before (laughs) i leave somebody was like hey do you want to see it in la there's an early press screening (laughs) i was like Okay. You couldn't say no because well, that's like fancy. Yeah. Well, I was like, yes, oh. it's important. Well, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I have tickets to see it in London. I don't want to see it in a, like yeah. no, never, never. Yeah. But I mean, I still had a great time. I love like I just drank a lot of beer, saw museums. Because also, around. what if your plane had awesome. crashed on the way to London and you never got to see Jurassic World? That's true. Never I didn't wait. Think about that. Never, never wait, wait to see a okay. wonderful film with dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Welcome home. Yeah. Thank you. Or do you feel jet lagged? Uh yeah, I'm like all over the map, but it's fine. It's That's the best. That's yeah, yeah. Take an Adderall. Yeah, yeah. You- <laughs> yes. <laughs> take an Adderall and fight with people about T Rexes. Well, we'll just take different drugs and see how like different experiments. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. All right. Well, welcome home, Steven. Yes, Thank we're you. glad you're here, and we're yeah. glad you. Ha- it's it's a good idea to make your own fun like that, and like yes. if it's important to you, right. it's important. So you fucking fly wherever you want to go see a movie that you like. You saw Jurassic, right? Yeah. Get it? Uh, it Never mind. Cut that out. Don't cut that out. <laughs> Wait, what is it? I don't get he, it. The podcast, his podcast is called See Jurassic Right. Right. So we went and saw Jurassic Right correctly. Oh, correctly. Got it. 
<laughs> it's a mountain goat song by the way it's oh. a reference to yeah see america right oh see jurassic right yeah wow that's deep i always <laughs> i was always like i guess i don't care enough about jurassic park to understand what steve the title of steven's podcast means i never even thought twice about it because there's so many weird podcast names and it's just like uh-huh sure all we'll right. find out later yeah all right let's um, uh ladies and gentlemen oh, do you have anything else Yes, just this one. Okay. Um, from our live show in Salt Lake City, when I talked about the Salt Lake City library shooter and uh, talked very uh, thoroughly about the true crime show that I saw um, about the case, and I talked very much about the reenactor, Michael B. Woods. Absolutely. Who played the shooter and was great. Yeah. Um, somebody uh, sent us a message saying that Michael B. Woods won... Uh, just a couple nights ago, he won a Chicago Theater Award called the <gasps> Jeff Award. Oh my God, Jeff! For <laughs> which is the funniest name of all Jeff. time. It's just like a picture of a guy or a like a sculpture of a guy in Dockers with thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up like Jeff, super supportive of your acting. And the the trophy is a beer koozie, with the photo of Jeff on it. <laughs> yes. So it's a very prestigious theater award. Oh, sure, everyone's like, award. fuck you, girls. Yeah, it's fuck important. my humongous... Um, well, here's the thing, though. The Chicago theater scene is humongous. Yeah. It's like on par with New York. It's, or, you know, obviously yeah. trying to compete with yeah. that. There's tons of great acting, obviously Steppenwolf. And there's so much good theater in Chicago that this is... is It doesn't matter what the award is because the, the idea that he yeah. got picked as best... Um, principal performer is the in a reenactment award no he played fucking Cyrano <laughs> holy shit and that's De what he won the award De Burge. good for him no it's Cyr Cyrano Rosenfeld it's this I play love about watching our little rising stars that we randomly pick out in the podcast I know and thank god we're picking we are picking stars yeah. we're hit makers we're, we're like we're Michael B. Woods we're seeing what about Cameron from fucking Mindhunter Who's yes. having a great year. He's blowing up. He's going to be in the next Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> That's a lie, Stephen. Don't get excited. <sighs> well, uh, is this over? Is, <laughs> is this podcast over? Oh, you know what we have to talk about? Huh? Uh, that we did that podcast, the movie podcast. Movie Crush. So Chuck, who you guys know from Stuff You Should Know, who's a fucking really awesome, nice dude. Yeah. He has legendary a podcast. Legendary podcast, <laughs> the network, everything. He had us as guests on his movie podcast called Movie Crush. And the movie he picked for us to talk about yes. was fucking Silence of the Lambs. It's the best because it's like, it's basically this podcast is like, they just, you take the one movie that the, the people love, whoever the guests are, yeah. and then you just like go over and over and over it. I could have done that for fucking hours. I had so many questions for you guys too, because I thought, you know, I mean, it went on. There were things that came out that we were like, oh, wait, who yeah. was that? Like, not realizing that I kind of didn't know something where I'm like, oh. Because that movie's so good because you pick up new things every time you watch it. I rewatched it when I got home that night. It's just incredible. It was so good. Only I'm really mad at myself because on the episode when we were talking about the um, autopsy scene mm -hmm. and she talks about the nails, I said that Clary Starling says, it looks like city to me. And the fucking line is, it looks like town to me. Oh. The word well, is town. It's town. such a better word. I was so mad I misquoted it. It sounded good still. Um, I I just like to yeah so go watch that it's called movie crush <laughs> i mean listen to it it's listen a podcast. to it <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. It's, it's a podcast and it's out tomorrow right yeah so friday yeah 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 i'm first right yes <laughs> but first i'm going to pee 
Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Can you hear the crow calling? <laughs> Tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Um, okay, so this is a really fun combo case where it started with a listener named Kate Butler mm-hmm. who tweeted at us. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said her last name except for it's in her uh, Twitter handle. Okay. So she must not give a shit. Mm-hmm. And Kate wrote hey, you guys should do the Appalachian Trail Killer. Oh. And then I, it like rattled around in my head and I was like, something went dang, like that's a good one that I've definitely heard of before. Yeah, like a reminder. And read about. Yeah. So, uh, but then I was like, 
as my as the days progressed i was like i don't feel like doing any work because i have the i have like real s- summertime fever right now where i like that's don't what your be. sex horoscope said <laughs> about it too that's actually you actually have a vd it's not- <laughs> yeah exactly see a doctor your summertime fever is called gonorrhea um no but i just don't can't sit like you know we've been we've been sitting and writing and working on a bunch of shit for so consistently yeah, long i yeah. can, can't sit in that chair anymore yeah so i was like that I'll, chair i love it there's a work chair that's <laughs> all you do is there's it. a whole part of the table i avoid when i'm procrastinating which is always um and i remembered so i was like i'm doing it i survived this week and i was just trying to sit and think of like when i think of that title which my favorite ones which ones ding up in my Uh head and there's one that i've always loved and you know how we always joke that on i survived it's always two women who tell you the most harrowing Uh like uh rape and attempted murder story Mm -hmm. that they survived it's so incredible and then there's a guy that's like i tipped my snowmobile over (laughs) and thought i was never gonna get back up and you're like i'm gonna fucking kill you yeah 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 um and then it it dinged into my head that is not always the case okay and there is one episode that i've always <laughs> loved and the two guys that tell their survival story are straight out of fucking central casting <gasps> because it takes place on the appalachian in the appalachian mountains and they're two guys from virginia and one of them uh is oh and I'll, so I'll say this this is an, an episode of I survived starring Sean and Scott Sean and Scott Sean and Scott and um uh it's also I got additional information um from an article that was from the Washington Post written by a writer named Will Haygood and the title of it is Lonely Dark and Deep and it was written on July 9th uh 2008 it's a great great article about this event okay. um so We'll just get into it. Let's do it. So, oh God, tell me everything. Okay. It's May 6th, 2008. So, May 6th, 2008. 10 years ago. What? 10 years and a month ago, basically. Oh, my God. A decade ago. <laughs> also known as a decade ago. <laughs> do you know that 10 years is called a decade? <laughs> I didn't know Georgia? that. No, no, no. I didn't know that. Um, these are all kinds of word uh, lessons that you can learn <laughs> from me if you pay attention. Okay. So, they... Um, they're going on a fishing trip together to a place called uh, Dismal Creek, Virginia. Perfect. Go there. You should absolutely <laughs> fucking go there. Now, you know how we love uh, I Survived, or I should say, the thing I love the most about I Survived is how beautifully uh, it's like they use B-roll. Sometimes in true crime shows, as we all know, the B-roll and the voiceover can be the most salacious, disgusting thing yeah. of all time where they just keep cutting to like a half-naked woman screaming and yeah. it just goes goes on forever and you're like what the fuck are you guys even doing with this that's why i survived is so good they the b-roll they use is it'll be like july 6 2008 Uh and then it's this gorgeous creek it's just where they were and they just keep showing you film of now here's their campfire here's the campfire blown out here's where they're camping so this area is gorgeous so it's almost like um like the like the screen a screensaver exactly like showing you mountainy things but meanwhile and it makes it so much scarier because it's just putting you in that place but it's not filling it in with a bunch of drama it's not showing you blood dropping and all this bullshit exactly because that's how these horrible things happen is you're standing there looking at this beautiful lake like these guys did so no, ominous music starts playing when you're fucking, <laughs> it's just not and then of course the um thing that i is my very favorite thing where at the end 
as they tell some horrible turn of like, mm-hmm. then I turned and looked down the hallway and there was a man standing there. When they cut to this, the next story, mm-hmm. the transition sound is a man exhaling, but it's very subtle. Ooh. But if you watch it, you'll see it goes. <sighs> Creepy. It's the creepiest noise. What if they you heard that? Okay, yeah. It's so perfectly okay, so we're done. At, we're at fucking Downer Lake. We're <laughs> we're at De- we're Debbie Downers, the mayor of this small city. <laughs> it's Dismal Creek, Virginia. They've got these two guys. Um, is Scott Johnston, who I I went to high school with, a guy named Scott Johnston, <laughs> and Sean Farmer, and they have been going to this area since they were little boys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it sounds like from from the story I read and stuff that obviously it's the Appalachian Mountains, and it's this amazing oh wilderness, and people go there all the time. And obviously the Appalachian trail starts a little bit north of where this area is and goes i didn't know it goes all the way up to maine wow it's like basically west virginia or something (laughs) i'm just pointing to the ceiling i don't know anything did you know that maine is in the ceiling i love it there Okay, so these two guys, they're like, we're going to go fishing at Dismal Creek this weekend. Right. Um, Scott gets there first, and he goes and fishes by himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean's going to show up in the afternoon, apparently. I'm filling this in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like to think that Sean had an office job. He mm-hmm. could not get away. Boss was a dick. Right, whereas Scott might be a woodworker, and he makes shit on his yeah. own. He's like, I can go up to Dismal Creek any fucking time I want. Totally. So he's there fishing trout fishing in the morning trout and catches a bunch of fish he's dry he's driving back to the campsite Mm -hmm. and he sees this old guy come (gasps) up an embankment from the creek or river climb up to the road yes and he's really gaunt and he's kind of scary looking but he's got like a new camouflage hunting jacket on Mm -hmm. so he doesn't look like a uh as Scott says in I Survived, he's like, he doesn't look like a bum, <laughs> but he's, he has a good, he looks gaunt and like he hasn't eaten in a while and like he's been out in the woods for a while mm-hmm. and he has a dog with him that's so starving, its stomach is bloated. So oh, no. he stops the truck and he's about to say like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Whatever. And the guy comes over and immediately just starts talking about, I've been trying to fish all morning. There's no fish in that creek and da, 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 da. And so Scott set opens his I pictured it as a wicker basket. I don't know what it actually was. <laughs> like he's fucking Yogi Bear. <laughs> you know, like a, one of those fishing baskets you yeah. wear on your hip. Um, he opens up his wicker, beautiful wicker basket uh-huh. with his initials that engraved he, into the top. That he fucking sewed himself. Yes, he made he it himself because he's, he's a woodworker. He's a woodworker that also likes to work in reeds. Mm. He'll dry out a reed and make a basket. Absolutely. He's a man of the earth. Yeah. Um, okay, so he uh, opens the basket, shows mm-hmm. him. He's like, look at all this trout I caught. Mm-hmm. And then he gives the guy a couple because he feels bad yeah. for him. Um, and uh, the guy says, thank you. And they, they, he seems happy. And then he, the guy asks, are you guys staying nearby here? And Scott's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're staying at that campsite right over there. No. Uh-huh. And the old man's like, oh, oh, I'm staying at the one that's just kind of right past it. Maybe I'll swing by and, and like visit you guys later. Uh. And so... Scott's like sure come by real polite these are like beautiful southern boys that are real polite and so he and then so Scott goes um, he stops to collect firewood Mm -hmm. so in the meantime uh, Sean Mm -hmm. his friend who's an office worker look he loves his job Mm -hmm. it means a lot to him to be able to work for the government (laughs) yeah (laughs) don't know any of this (laughs) Um, he actually I would say this uh, 
Scott looks like he could be played by Tim Blake Nelson. The, Who's that? That actor that was in uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Oh, the, yeah. The, that guy uh-huh. is exact. It's that guy. Oh, I love him. And then the Sean character, I think, should be played by our comedian friend John Gemberling. That's exactly what he looks like. He's got like got a beard and a round face and real, real low key. Okay. So Sean rolls up to the campsite and he sees there's this old gaunt guy there and he's a little bit weirded out uh-huh. he gets out of the truck and the gaunt guy is like oh i met scott earlier and he invited me to come by so immediately mm-hmm. sean's comfortable because yeah. he's like oh you know scott yeah. they already hung out everything's fine so when scott comes back from collecting firewood he sees that his friend sean has showed up and the gaunt man's there they're talking they built a fire chilled out everything's cool mm-hmm. as they all talk then scott's like well we're about to bar you know we're about to throw some hamburgers on the grill and cook up these trout do you want to stay and eat dinner with us and the old guy's like sure it sounds uh-huh. good and he said they wouldn't thought nothing of it totally normal older yeah. man but he said he also said he looked a little bit like he he looked frail like he might be an alcoholic or uh-huh. like a little sick somehow uh-huh. um but other than that he, he he commented on just how new the clothes looked like his hunting boots were expensive wow um so he he didn't you know he didn't think like this was just some yeah. s- stranger straggler so they eat dinner everything's normal and right as it starts to get dark it's like the sun has gone down and it's getting dark um because he, the guy wasn't leaving and they kept thinking well you're kind of an older guy and you yeah. have to get to your campsite yeah. you'd think you would leave when the sun was still up yeah but he doesn't finally the guy stands up and he's like all right then uh come on here we go to the dog mm-hmm. And as he does that, he walks behind both Scott and Sean. Mm-hmm. And in, in I Survived, Sean's the one that says it. And he's like, then all of a sudden my head was ringing. Uh. Uh-huh. He hears a big boom and his, his left ear is ringing like crazy. And what's happened is, and from Scott's perspective, um, the old straggler that they just gave a shit ton of trout and hamburgers to just turned and walked over, pulls out a twenty-two. <gasps> A tiny gun. He said he didn't even, he couldn't see the gun. He just saw the man extend his arm oh and shoot Sean in the face. What the fuck? Right, right here on the left side of his face. Like cheekbone. Area. So, yes. So, so you, th- you watch somebody shoot your friend in the head. Yeah. You think that person is dead. Yeah. So Scott jumps up and fucking runs. He immediately in his mind said, he said that he immediately thought there was, when he set up the tent, he remembered there being like this this um, little embankment area behind it with a cedar group of cedar trees or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, there's a place I can take shelter. Yeah. So he just takes off in the dark into the woods. Whoa. And he doesn't know if the guy's chasing him. He doesn't know what's happening. But and he doesn't know that the guy then shoots him in the back. <gasps> he doesn't feel it and he doesn't realize it. He the guy shot him actually in the nape of the neck oh my god so what happens is when scott finally stops running and he's standing there trying to figure out what happened and what if if uh, sean's still alive or whatever he as his heart beats the bullet wound is spurting six (gasps) inches of blood as with every heartbeat behind him well like i think he was making it seem like it was a little bit on the side but basically like the bullet came (gasps) through this way so, you know, from what I put together, so because he basically took his finger and stuck it in the bullet hole to stop the blood flow. Oh, my God. So he's just holding his <laughs> his right index finger in his own neck to Jesus. keep the blood from coming out. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, uh, 
strangely and miraculously, Sean gets shot in the head uh-huh. and isn't dead. What? He stands up and and Sean also is six foot four, three hundred twenty five pounds. Holy crap! So he's not. I mean, a, a man is holding a gun on him and stuff, but yeah. he does turn face the guy. What the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. And they're about ten feet away at this point. The man shoots him again in the chest. <gasps> He still doesn't go down. Oh, my God. How fucking terrifying. So so when the man... So after he got shot in the chest, that's when he... The man turned away from him, right. got distracted, shot Scott in the neck. Yeah. So that's when Sean runs over to his Jeep and jumps inside. <gasps> and his... Of course, his driver's side window's down. No! <laughs> Roll up your windows, everyone! <laughs> The I like in movies, well, especially when modern cars where uh-huh. you have to have the key in to roll yeah. the window up or whatever. But like, remember old movies where you're trying to roll the window oh. up with the crank really fast yeah. while like a bad person's coming, yeah. their arm is coming through the window. Yeah, that whole like window car scenario, getting in the car when you're being chased, that whole scenario drives me crazy. It's crazy making, and it's that thing where sometimes I try to practice it. Like if I'm just letting myself into yeah. my front door, I'll be like. Right now you have to do this in three seconds. Someone's walking up and I can never fucking do it. I do that too because my new car, it, like if you have the key on you it, and you walk to your car, it unlocks all the doors. Yes. So I'll see how quickly I can lock. Well, I have to know by my brain where the locking mechanism is. So before I'm even sitting down, the doors are all locked yes. in case someone's trying to get in on the other side or yeah. following me. Yes. It's like not a very safe feature, Toyota. <sighs> Toyota, can we talk this through? Because yeah. I feel like you need to think about garage, underground garages. Uh-huh. Paranoid women. Paranoid women. And I don't know. Just mo- It would just be great to talk to you. Safety. Um, okay. So. Okay. Sean jumps into the driver's seat. Uh-huh. Fucking scrambling, right? Scrambling for his keys or whatever. Yeah. The fucking gaunt man Dude. comes up over. His hand goes Ooh. into the driver's window. Sean literally like blocks it with his hand. Uh-huh. And he hears the trigger pull and no shot <gasps> the guys run out of ammunition he's oh. already shot six times or however i shouldn't yeah. say that however many is in a 22 which i certainly 22 don't know probably right? oh yeah 22 <laughs> tiny bullets point 22 tiny bullets mm-hmm. okay so miraculously doesn't go off so then he's like he fucking takes off he in the car yes okay. he guns it and does the thing where he leans down below the windshield and fucking drives away so the guy can't shoot him again like he's not up yeah which i fucking love that's like straight out of a movie yeah so now over in the uh in the hauler where he took cover Uh uh scott is like watches his friend peel away and he immediately goes I'm, I have like a pretty cl- critical wound yeah. here. I have to get help. It, and if I don't run to the road to meet him, <gasps> to like basically cut off my friend, yeah. I'm going to get stuck up on this mountain. Yeah. So he just starts fucking taking off through the woods, which is incredibly dense, mm-hmm. underbrush and dark. all that shit. And it's dark. So he has to like beat his way Holy with shit. his finger and in his neck. The, every time when his heart rate goes higher, the fucking blood is gushing more. Well, no, it's not gushing with the finger in there. Right. So he's like, like that's a, a temporary solution oh my god so he and he fucking makes it he makes <gasps> it to the cutoff so when it's like a movie it's the crazy and it's also these two guys tell it you know that thing where like 
and I won't say it's a say necessarily Southern thing, yeah. but like I know a couple of people who are from West Virginia, and it's kind of that thing where it's like everything's real low yeah. key. Just the facts. They're not like it's not like Brooklyn where you're like, hey, this guy came over here, gestures <laughs> and shit. It's all like real sedate. You can yeah. see these guys telling the story over beers at a bar, and they don't, but they don't want to like over dramatize it and make themselves seem like show offs. Yeah, exactly. They're the exact opposite of that where yeah. they're just like yeah it was crazy yeah um it's the best but then yeah they're now in a mel gibson movie level insane uh situation so <laughs> drives away without looking um oh gets God. down and the road to so you have to think about the appalachian mountains they're at a campsite so they're not even near a road right now they have to get on a uh, a dirt road yeah. to drive down a couple miles to the main road that's yeah. actually paved yeah so so uh sean comes around the corner in the jeep scott's standing there covered in blood and standing there he like skids up scott jumps in and they gun it and in this part of i survived scott goes and i mean you know i was just really worried because like i couldn't even believe he's driving because he was shot in the head and it's like yeah (laughs) yeah he probably shouldn't have been the driver uh and the weird thing is then, so they're going 40 miles an hour down a road they said that they would normally drive 20 miles mm-hmm. an hour down because not only is it dirt and really narrow, it's a mountain uh, road where every turn <gasps> has a drop off on the side, like a 30 foot drop off. No. So they're gunning it down this mountain. And at one point, they, um, he, Scott has to tell Sean to break because they're going so fast on this turn because mm-hmm. Scott can't actually really see <sighs> that well. He's losing his vision in his right eye. Oh my God. And uh, they they come around. He's like, break, break, break. And they skid out and they go up and they said the tire went six inches. They were six inches away <sighs> from the edge of the embankment. No. But then they're like, but you got to go like straighten yeah. it out. And so... They did that the second time it happened. This basically the same thing where they took a turn way too fast. Mm-hmm. They're they're because they think because Scott's truck with the keys in it oh, are back shit. at the campsite. So they're like the guy a hundred percent got into that yeah. truck and is chasing us. Yeah, there's no way he's gonna let us get away. So they're like we have to go top speed. Also, we have to go top speed because all of the blood is leaving both of our oh bodies at one time yeah. into this jeep. So the second time they do that, they go up onto an embankment. They take turn too fast, go up onto this embankment, almost roll the jeep, um, like just barely don't uh-huh. roll the jeep, and uh, and a bunch. They kick up a bunch of rocks and break the windshield, <gasps> and so that's when. Uh, Scott goes okay you work the gas and the brake oh and I'm going to steer because you can't fucking see and you like I'll tell you when yeah. to gas and brake so we can get down this road oh because on that second p- um, spin out it was because uh, Sean had blacked out because <gasps> he w- his, had a bullet in his fucking head oh my god okay so they're like we have to get down this mountain road so you finally get to the main road uh-huh. so it was like a mile or two on the dirt road then they get to the main road the main road it's five miles uh-huh. and once they get down the mountain on the main road it's 40 miles to a hospital no that's so too far it's so far you guys don't go that far away from and hospitals they, please they, i mean that's the thing about camping yeah there was no um 
cell service up there at all. Sure. You can't use your phone on that mountain. So there was, it was, of course, like the worst thing that could happen yeah. when you're that far away. Yeah. So they know they're on like a clock that where they're already in the red zone. Ay-vay. So they race down. They finally get to the main road and they race down. And when they get to the bottom, like, you know, to where there's actually houses, the first house they see, um, the lights are on. And so Scott yells, stop the car. They're going to help us. And, oh my God. and Sean, like almost blind, just stops the car in the middle of the road and puts it in park. And Scott jumps out and runs to the, he is, he yeah, has yeah. lost all the blood. Yeah. He jumps out, runs, bangs on the door. All right. Let me catch up to myself here. So I just want everyone listening to know that Karen is just telling the story. She's not reading anything. <laughs> and it's like really fun to watch. You well, because just like, I've seen this one. Yeah. Uh, the other stories in this episode of I Survived, it's season three, episode seven. And the other stories are a really terrible, but it's one, another one of those women that tells her uh, rape survival story with this amazing look on her face and these bright eyes. And it was a thing where they, she was in her 20s. They moved into an apartment and her father's like, I don't like that there's no bars on the window because you're on the first floor. Uh-huh. I'm coming over tomorrow to put them in. No. And that night no. a guy broke in. Yeah. And then this other story is this guy who got attacked by a bear <gasps> and his dog Ladybug, Ladybug helped save him. It's good girl. Season three, episode seven is like peak. I survived. Okay. It's incredible. Everybody survives. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> wait, <laughs> what? Spoiler alert. Fuck. Spoiler Karen, alert. What the f- edit that out, Steven. <laughs> Every single fucking person. I don't think Ladybug survived, though. I shouldn't just drop that out there because I'm not positive. Okay. But I think it was... Well, now they have to watch. Yeah, exactly. You tell us if fucking Ladybug survived. (laughs) I don't think she does. Um... So they the house that they stop in front of this is my favorite is a a, a woman named Melissa Miller Uh and her 20 year old son Randy Randy. are home. Uh Thank fucking God. And uh, of course, she hears, sees someone banging on the door, hears someone banging on the door mm. is, as opposed to mm. seeing it, then goes to the front door and looks out. It's two dudes covered in blood yeah, and a car covered in blood. So she's like, I don't want to get involved in this. They got clearly yeah. got into a fight and blah, blah, blah. Then she looks out and recognizes Sean. No. Because her friend dated him a couple no. years ago. Yes. So she's like, wait, what ha- What is this? And then Scott's like, this guy just attacked us. You have to call 911. We need medical help like, yeah. immediately. So Melissa Miller calls 911 and they have to wait 20 minutes. No, don't wait that long. Because they're so fucking far yeah, out in yeah. the middle of nowhere. At one point, they were waiting so long. So they got Sean out of the Jeep. Um, she sat Scott down on the porch, sits Sean down on the porch. They start to get towels. They're holding pressure on all the wounds and just and giving them water and helping them talking to them at one point scott has melissa call his mom because he's afraid it's the last time he has a chance to talk to her and he tells his mom he's fine and don't worry it's so uh and then so finally the cops come at one point melissa miller calls 911 back and goes where y'all at where y'all at because it's like we can't wait very much longer yeah um when the cops show up uh, the cops get there before the ambulance yeah. um, and the cops ask Scott for a description and as Scott is describing um, the gaunt man that attacked them Melissa Miller's father uh, and Randy's grandfather lives in the house he hears the description <gasps> and he says to Randy um, he knows all about who this person is because uh, there was a man named Randall Lee Smith who lived in the nearby town of Parisburg, mm. but it's like the fruit pear, not Paris, oh. Paris, France, uh-huh. but Parisburg. And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Good. Um, 
he tells his grandson to run down to Trent's grocery store and go grab that picture of Randall Lee Smith that had been up because Randall Lee Smith had disappeared from Parisburg six weeks prior. Oh my God. So there's a picture up of like, have you seen this man? Yeah. So he's like, go get that picture. So Randy has to run down. The store is closed, but luckily it's some tiny town where there he goes to the owner's house yeah. and is like, we got an emergency, open the store, grabs the picture, runs back to the house. And as Scott is being loaded into the ambulance, that's finally there he holds up the picture and scott goes i am 100 percent sure that is the man that shot us oh my god and it's this man randall lee smith and uh so they put out an apb for randall lee smith uh when then two medevac helicopters land and uh they put Scott thinks that because obviously Sean's been shot in the head, he's way worse off uh-huh. than him. So he's so worried about him. But they get put in two separate um, helicopters. And when Scott is in a helicopter, he overhears the EMT or whoever, the uh-huh. person working there like, I don't think he's going to make it to the hospital. <gasps> and then he hears her say, um, yeah, he's he's lost too much blood. I and I no longer have a pulse. <gasps> and he realizes she's talking about him. Oh my god! And he realizes he can't feel his body. So he's like, "Oh, I just I thought I was dead in the helicopter. <gasps> like I thought I was already dead." Oh my god! Okay. So meanwhile, police. Uh, uh, oh, oh! By the way, I might, we might as well just skip to this part. Well, no, we'll say this part. So the police know about. Randall Lee Smith because in 1981 um, he had befriended two uh, hitchhikers on uh, at the Wapiti shelter um, which was on uh, in the in the exact same area it was one mile away from the campsite mm. where Sean and Scott were and um, he uh, befriended them uh, they hung out exactly the same way where they had like shared shared a meal or whatever and then um, it did, it wasn't clear if he like slept in their campsite yeah. or if he said goodbye, but he in the middle of the night, um, it, there were two twenty seven year old social workers, Aww. and his name was Robert Mountford Jr. and her name was Susan Ramsey, Aww. and um, he he shot Robert Mountford in the head, um, and then he and Susan Ramsey got into this fight where she fought him off, oh my God. and he ends up stabbing her twelve over twelve times with a long nail. Oh my God! It's just hideous and yeah. horrible. Um, their bodies don't get found for weeks. Wow! So. They it took them a, a while to find him, but he ends up getting arrested for these murders. He is convicted of second degree murder because they plea bargain. No. He ends up serving 15 years in jail for two innocent people's murder. Yeah. 15 fucking years, 15 years in jail. And then the, he gets paroled and he goes he moves to Parisburg. He works odd jobs for about a decade, kind of kicks around. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on this. No, I know. And. Uh, he then starts to run out of money and he just collects up his shit and goes up into the mountains. And so that was six weeks before Scott ran into him on that trail is when he disappeared from Parisburg. And uh, when those pictures went up of him of, have you seen this man? We don't know where he is. Which also means that for six weeks, he was fucking around in those mountains yeah. and no one knows what he was doing or who he was doing it well, with. Well, where to get those clothes from? Clearly he stole them. That's right. Oh. So, uh, okay, so um, 
when they finally did find him and arrest him, which was almost immediately because he was driving Scott's truck Uh and they, the truck passes trying to zoom down that road when the cops are going up. Um, he sees the cops and almost immediately drives up onto an embankment and flips the truck over. And the uh, police officer that went up to check him, he was inside the upside down truck and he said, they're the coldest eyes I've ever seen. And so they get him out. They arrest him. Randall uh, Lee Smith tells the police that he had to shoot Scott and Sean in self-defense. Yeah. That that's why that happened. Right. Four days after he's arrested, he dies of natural causes in jail. What? Yeah. What natural causes? Uh, Being an old murderer, <sighs> having a terrible life. Oh, and my God. Rotting from the inside spiritually. Oh, my God. These are not confirmed. This is not the coroner's report. Please remember. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so here's the, the part that's mind-blowing to me. So, Sean, who has been shot in the head and the fucking chest. Yeah, yeah. The, the bullet that went into his chest, they, he says there was so much muscle mass on his chest, it just pushed the bullet <gasps> over so it didn't puncture anything critical. That's the sexiest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's pretty awesome. This guy has that, he does have this, like, I want to hear him tell 20 more stories. Yeah. He has that, like, real, like, good, the good, good old boy yeah, feel yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the bullet that went into his head yeah, I remember that, that was one. shot so close that he had uh, pow- gunpowder burns on his cheek. Oh, my God. It just went in and went into his nasal passages and kind of ricocheted around a little bit. Like, just clonked around and just clonked around and didn't come back out or, I mean, I don't know. I guess they went in and took it out, but, like, it didn't give him any brain damage or any, it just fucked up that one side of his face. Now I'm just picturing him using a neti pot and a fucking (laughs) bullet coming out of his nostril. He just, he can't get it out of there. He keeps rinsing his nose. You're like, fuck. But I mean, that is, he was basically in like recovery, in the recovery room at 4 a.m. that morning. Jesus. For being shot in the head and chest. Dude. That's why, also why I love I Survived. Yeah. Because you, these people are like, so then I got shot in the head. And yeah. you're like, you, the person talking. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Okay, I like that. It's very like, it's very X-Men. Like, how did you do this? Are you special? Yeah. Are you different from us? Um, okay, so then the next morning, Scott's out of surgery, so he, he can take his finger out of his neck. <laughs> they sew that hole up. He he actually has scars, so it looked like there was entrance. Like his his neck was pretty pretty ripped up. Mm. Um, you know, they're shot fucking multiple times yeah. close range. It's so crazy. And one of his family members shows up at the hospital and holds up a newspaper that says the AT killer strikes again. Mm. So immediately they they know that Randall Lee Randall Lee Smith, who is the man that killed these two people in 1981, mm. it's the fucking same guy with the same kind of gun mm. or the same gun. In the one mile away from where he did it, he did it again. Jesus. Um, except yeah, these, one would have thought maybe one would have thought he would have been fine after 15 years of prison, and he, they could have let him go, and he'd never do it again. Right, but, but no, he tricked everyone. It turns out. That this is one of those times where that that isn't what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, basically. Uh, so did he kill anyone else? Do we know like that? Well, there's only they said I read a thing that said there's only eight reported murders, like known murders um, on the Appalachian Trail. Huh. Uh, so that's six uh, additional ones. And I don't, I'm not sure what they're re- referencing, but there's all kinds of missing people that what? went. They went for a walk 
up in these mountains or whatever yeah. that they they are not accounted for. So oh, it's so creepy. When Randall Lee, this is kind of the creepy reveal in his possession when he was arrested. Mm. The police found six pairs of eyeglasses, Uh-oh. bloody clothes, women's underwear, no. twenty knives, <gasps> a hatchet, satanic and Wiccan literature. What? Which is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Well, with the rest of the stuff and the fact that he's a murderer. It, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well. It does not bode. So anyway, that the idea that in just six weeks, these are the this is the amount of like trophy style yeah. stuff that he has in his possession is horrifying, which means there's probably a bunch of cold cases or or missing people that might be able to get matched with that. I wonder whose dog it was, because maybe he stole the dog, too. Oh, who? Do the dog? Do we know what happened to the dog? The dog. <gasps> what if the Scott and Sean brought the dog home and kept him? You, I'm telling you, if you're an I Survive producer and you didn't fold that shit right in, <laughs> then it didn't happen. Those people know what they're doing. I know. Um, but here, let's let's just say this: the dog ran off in fear, but then just ate trout for the rest of his life. Yeah. His coat got real shiny. Did he become friends with a bear and a raccoon? He fell in with a group of raccoons and bears. <laughs> raccoons, raccoons and bears. How about the, our prescient visionary um, abilities? Where where yesterday that big drama that was happening was? Did you see the baby raccoon that scaled the twenty three story building? I did, but I couldn't look at it till the end. He made I it. was I saw that he made it, but I tweeted something like, Well, I just can't read this because I'm yes. so scared for him. I missed the entire thing. Oh good. I wasn't I he, was busy he or whatever. It. He and made then, it. Did you see the photos of him on the fucking belt on the side? When he was all stretching out? Yeah. Yes. Because he was scared. He's scared. I would I mean, I would hate to climb a twenty three story building <laughs> like a guess record. what? You have to. No. <laughs> I love it also that they to lure him to the roof they put cat food up there yeah everybody wants some cat food mm. uh, Scott and Sean say they still go fishing at Dismal Creek they've done it all their lives it's the safest fucking place for them now exactly and they're probably they probably I would if I was either of them be like yeah I'm kind of invincible <laughs> yeah. I've been shot in the motherfucking yeah. head shoot me I'll, I dare you and handled it yeah. and this is the uh, Sean at the very end in that Good old boy way goes, other than a few scars, we're fine. Jesus. Everyone else at the end of I Survived is like, I survived because my family and God was watching yeah. me personally. And he's just like, yeah, we're fine. It's almost like we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Where it's like, it's too late. You're on a TV show. <laughs> you have to talk about it. Wow. And that is that triple crossover. Isn't that amazing that it's like the I Survived I wanted to do? Yeah. Kate's suggestion all wrapped up in this beautiful. Yes storytelling bow now you go it was italian kiss (laughs) was it italian kiss level it was it was this beautiful italian kiss i love it i love it okay there's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back i know it sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone but it also sounds like we just sold some merch that's right and if you're a shopify user like us you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. All right, Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the Glamour Girl Slayer. Oh. And this is the story of, you know, when you see like those lists that are like five photos of murder victims right before, like the last photos ever taken of murder victims. I hate those. And it's the, it's the like black and white older photo of a, of a woman, a beautiful woman tied up and she's like posing you know, scared and tied up. You've seen is that. Is she posing or is it real? Well, that's the thing is you can't tell. Okay. So, but you know, it's like... So it's from the 50s, 60s? Yeah, 50s. Okay. You've seen the photo. It's like, th- this is this is the story of that. Okay, awesome. It's There's a lot of those. I've seen that photo a lot, and so I'm finally doing the story. Here we go. Okay. On August 1st, 1956, a beautiful 19-year-old blonde woman named Judy Ann Dull was going through this crazy hardcore custody battle in 1958, which has got to suck even more. Yeah, did women have rights then? I don't know. She's going through... <laughs> Do did, we have did them Did men now? have rights over their kids? Like, that's even... You know what I mean? Yeah, did, were, did they even want them? Right. So she's going through a battle with her ex-husband over their 14-month-old daughter. She needs to make money to hire this lawyer to fight the battle. And so uh, she would take modeling jobs a lot. So... Uh, a man named Johnny Glynn called and he offered her $50, which is a lot then, to pose for the cover of a pulp novel. Mm. And she was like, fuck yeah, I need this money. Totally. So back then, though, modeling and modeling agencies weren't, it wasn't what it is today. All, all over downtown LA, these little businesses were cropping up and they were small modeling studios that 
they had their own female models inside and they would pose for a price and they would do it either clothed or nude. So these like dudes who would uh, claim to be modeling photographers could come in, pay $20, do a photo session with a naked model and leave with nudes, you know, uh, nude, nude photos. But for more money, they would be given a girl's, a model's phone number and he would call they would make arrangements to meet either at his studio which is like if he had one yeah or at her house a lot of the time so essentially this is a little bit of there's a bit of sex work maybe that could be involved it doesn't sound like it oh okay I, from what i can tell that wasn't that wasn't what was going on just, i mean it just pervs yeah just pervs wanting naked photos of women and they couldn't get it in other places you know what i mean true it's like hard to get something like that but they They can't drive out to the forest and find an old mag that someone threw right well i think also like there were legit ones who if you there were a lot of pinup magazine stuff and like there were true crime magazines that would have these photos so you could take them and send them in and maybe you'd make some money with the photos so maybe some of them were trying to be legit uh in this story there's no nefarious like there's no um sex work going on or anything like that it's all just purely modeling okay and also like maybe that like a lady in her brown panties went way further back then absolutely than these days where it's like oh yeah that's what's on every street corner well think of betty page like she's the one who got famous from it and she you know took her clothes off and did these cheesecake photos tied up so i think this was just on a smaller scale and hers was like it looked like it was her idea. That yeah. was the kind of big revolution about Betty Page. Yeah. Betty Page was having a great fucking time, right. and it wasn't like someone made me do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, the woman got paid. The photos and the photographers got their dirty photos. So <laughs> that's and everyone is happy, right? So that's how Hollywood was built. <laughs> When the photographer that had called Judy came to pick her up, he met Judy's roommate, Betty, and Betty thought it was strange that he said he wanted to pick up, uh, to pick her up, to pick up Judy and take her to do some, um, sorry, the selection. He was going to do pinup pics, but then he told her to get a street outfit, like a normal clothes. Mm. So Betty thought that was weird, but he, but this guy offered her um, his phone number of his, in his portrait studio. So she was like, okay, this is fine. Yeah. So uh, Judy left with her, with him. Wow. Yeah. So Betty starts to worry when Judy didn't come home from the photo session when she said she would. So she calls the phone number that this guy Johnny had left with her. But the number isn't for a photo studio. It's for a machine shop. And no one there had heard of a guy named Johnny Glenn. (sighs) So Betty calls the cops. An APB is put out for Johnny. And Betty describes him as a small, bespectacled man. And uh, the search for her goes on. What they couldn't know yet was that Judy had already become the first victim of Harvey Murray Glattman, a.k.a. the Glamour Girl Slayer. I know that name. Okay, I, yes. You've okay. seen photos of him. He looks like a, a hipster, like a, like a Brooklyn hipster trying to look like a Brooklyn hipster. Like squirrely, big ears stick out the side of his head. <laughs> you know how hipsters have big ears. <laughs> He's just like gross. Um, I think there was a, an episode of A Crime to Remember about this. Oh, I bet. Because I just got a really specific picture of Harvey Glattman in my mm-hmm. head where I'm like, that's an actor. Yeah. Okay. So Harvey Murray Glattman was born on December 10th, 1927 in the Bronx, and he was raised in Denver, Colorado. 
Uh, Those are two different Very different locales. It must have been a real adjustment. Absolutely. Growing up in the 30s and 40s, Harvey's parents began to notice that their kid had antisocial behaviors and sadomasochistic sexual tendencies (laughs) from an early age. Mm. That's got to be fun. Yeah. One time his parents found him. Okay. Picture this. Picture you have a four-year-old kid. Okay. And you walk in on him, and he has a string tied around his penis, and the loose end of the string is shut in a drawer, and he's leaning backwards so that the string pulls his <laughs> penis taut. And your kid's four, and you just walked in on him doing that. And you're like, who taught you this? Yeah. Harvey, what are you doing? Harvey, honey. Harvey, honey, what the fuck? Uh, do you want some tang? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I. It's... It's insanely disturbing slightly less disturbing was when i was like five and my dad walked into mine and my sister's room Uh-oh. and i was playing we our great aunts had given us a stack of 45s that we used to listen to all the time uh-huh. it was this weird music from the 60s and 70s amazing and i was standing in the room lip syncing to the peggy lee song is that all there is which, oh my god have you heard that fucking the song the creepiest song in the world the creepiest song in the world and i'm a five-year-old standing there going yeah. is that all there is? <laughs> like is that all there is to a fire is that all there is i would be like let's burn the house down seriously like i would run screaming yeah okay so when he's no brag no brag by the way i knew the words to that song when i was five (laughs) you're a hipster from brooklyn (laughs) my ears are sticking all the way out clearly so when he's 12 years old grows up from four years old his parents notice that he had (laughs) a red swollen neck and they're like what'd you do and he's like well uh, i was in the bathtub i placed a rope around my neck and i ran it through the tub drain and then i pulled it tight against his neck against his neck achieving some kind of sexual pleasure from this act he said later oh that he's doing the um choke yourself out yeah and then he also he would also hang himself in the attic until he achieved orgasm hang himself where in the attic (laughs) in the attic in the attic and you know i don't know which one it is now it's c it's attic did i say addict you did fuck i love it it's the weirdest i don't know how that happened it's amazing i don't yeah this is like the this podcast in the past two years is the most i've ever said that word i've said it maybe twice in my life before this so why like i didn't have one it, i'm from irvine we don't have those this <laughs> that's right they don't exist no california basement? how do we pronounce basement oh we don't God. have those either uh this podcast is all about like i've never known what an abject failure i am about facts i thought i was pretty together yeah and it simply isn't true yeah. and it just gets proven week after week facts and opinions and just a- attitude attitude about life anyways let's talk about murder let's talk about a, ch- a 12 year old child hanging himself in the attic for sexual gratification yes um his mom is like we're going to the doctor takes him to a physician and the doctor was like of course he'll grow out of it oh. which is probably true in a lot of cases right like the kids grow out of it or they don't or they find you know they do it and they don't murder people i just feel like the difference is he was like hanging himself yeah like i think if somebody was masturbating a ton they'd just be like look it's just yeah you know a phase the hanging part is what you're bothered by it's pretty intense nowadays that would be problematic yeah and, and back a days as well 
back in the day. Um, Harvey would later say that, quote, I guess I was just kind of fascinated by rope. So it was the rope. <laughs> I loved hemp. In school, Harvey did well academically, but was painfully shy around other kids, especially girls, which is like, who's not? And he was taunted <laughs> with the nicknames Weasel and Chipmunk due to his looks. So you can imagine what he looked like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as I just made fun of him earlier. He committed his first sex offenses while he was a teenager. And he would when he would break into women's apartments, tie them up and sexually assault them as a teenager. Shit. He would also force his victims to pose for photographs so he could keep them as mementos. And it, the, the look of this kid is so, it doesn't make sense with, with what his offenses are. Because even as a high school student, he must have been even skinnier. He's this scrawny little nerd. It's, and I know that, like, so you wouldn't have expected this. Well, right, exactly. Based on just the way he looks. The strength, the bravery, right. the kind of boldness. Yeah. But I was also thinking of, like, what, can you cast him? Like, who, I know. Who, um, cause you know who I'm thinking of and I can't remember his last name. That guy, Jay, that's in like, this is the end and what's his fucking name? Jay Barishal. Thank you. Wow. You know who that guy is? No. He's very lanky and he's like long and skinny. Steven, can you show her a picture of him? Because I couldn't have Harvey Glattman cause I couldn't, I couldn't cast him. Let's get him cast. So I need you to cast him, please. Let's cast Glatt. Let's cast Glatt. Oh, that's him. Oh, Wow. Okay, well, this so is... So, what does he look like? We're in a Buscemi area. Oh, absolutely Buscemi. But then also, this picture... This is... I'm gonna... He looks a little bit like Andrew Garfield's, like, maybe less attractive older brother in this picture I'm looking at Who's right Andrew now. Andrew Garfield? The guy that played, like, Spider-Man and... Um, oh, he was in that army movie about how he wouldn't shoot anybody and he still <laughs> went to World War II, which is kind of amazing and a true story. Um, okay. He also looks like Fisher Stevens, which if you're from the 80s like me, he was a big, he was, uh, I think he was married to Michelle Pfeiffer. He's a character actor. I think the uh, Steve Buscemi type is a young Steve Buscemi because he was only 30 when those pictures were taken. So, And he also looks a little bit like the actor, oh, what the fuck is his last name? Go to Instagram. Our Instagram is my favorite murder. <laughs> we're going to post. We're, we're going to put up 15 actors <laughs> and then we'll all vote on who is the yeah. most. I want. I also want to get Scoot McNary into this because okay. he's on Halt and Catch Fire. Okay, and he's in one of the. Oh yeah, he's in some cool independent movies. Yes. he's a really good actor. Yes. And no brag, and I'm sorry, I'm super delaying this, but uh, <laughs> me and Bridger went to dinner the other night, and it was a little bit crowded around the hostess stand when we walked in, and we didn't have a reservation, so I immediately got mm -hmm. tense. And then I looked over, and the guy that was waiting for the hostess to seat him was staring at her so intently. I thought he was like. Like being mean to her so then I started staring at him really mm -hmm. intently and then he turned and looked at me and it was Scoot McNary <gasps> and then I was just staring weirdly at Scoot McNary and then he smiled at me and then I was like what are you doing St move your eyes away from his face and I couldn't because he's really good looking okay thank you no thank you for letting me <laughs> wait where did you go to dinner Adderall town <laughs> Did you have an Adderall over medium for dinner? That cup of coffee. Okay. Anyway, I'm I'm no stranger. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm like, can I stop you for the ninetieth time and tell you something that in no way will help your story? I don't care. Okay. Look, that's what this podcast was going to be called originally. Listen, look and listen. <laughs> in school, he did well. I already told you that. Da 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 da. And he would take photos of them. When Harvey was eighteen and still in high school, he was arrested after he tied up one of his classmates at gunpoint and sexually assaulted her. Shit. So instead of graduating high school, he went to fucking jail in Denver. 
But he uh, he continued to rob and sexually assault women for years, often being arrested and serving short stints in prison. Of course, he was seen as an impulsive offender fueled by lust and a rage for the women he assaulted. Uh, while he was on bail awaiting trial, he kidnapped and molested another woman before releasing her. And that got him eight months yes. in prison. Kind uh, of a please sit down and think about this for uh-huh, a little while. Yeah. Let's give you three else. squares. You'll fill out a little bit so you're str- and you can work out so you're stronger next time you go out. You'll get some bad ideas from the people around exactly. you. And then get out Goodbye. there, buddy. After Harvey decided to, he after that he is like fuck this shit, I'm going to New York. He goes with his mom to New York in 1946. Salts uh, on Women grows bolder. It's one of those obvious uh, escalation yeah. stories. And more violent in New York, he's eventually arrested for a series of muggings and sentenced to from five to ten years in Sing Sing. Whoa. Prison, I know. Prison psychiatrists diagnose him as a psychopath. Yeah. But he was a model prisoner. And so in 1956, they're like, get out of here, you nut. You psychopath. Get out. Get out of here. In 1957, he moves to Los Angeles. You know what? That's what all the psychopaths do. Yeah. (laughs) We're all here. We've got so many of us. It's fun. Uh... He gets a job as a television repairman to to support himself. <laughs> Positive you were going to say like a television producer. Yeah, like, oh. yep, that's right on the money. And now he's our agent. <laughs> you uh, worked with him. And da, 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 da. okay, but he also starts uh, back up his fucking love of photography, and he starts trolling modeling agencies, posing as a professional photographer. This has this is like Alcala, Rodney Alcala before yeah. Rodney Alcala was it Rodney Alcala. Yeah. That's right. You know and I mean? he's not. Right now, I'll call a, like when you see that clip of him on the um, dating game, the dating game. It's Jesus. so disturbing because he looks like he looks like the creepiest troll of all the 70s. Yeah. But he did have kind of fine features or like patrician kind of manly One would features. say like a, he's not a bad looking person. Yeah. And he has you can tell he probably had like a swarthy kind of a game going. Yeah. But remember the chick met him backstage and she was like I'm not going out with him because she <gasps> oh, thought he was right. psycho. So clearly he couldn't fucking do it. Yeah. But I guess comparatively at least he would have like the first five minutes of the game yeah. going. Whereas Glattman. No. You're not. You're looking at that and you're like what's this teenager doing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The day, so we go back now to his first murder victim, Julie, Judy Ann Dahl. The day he picks her up, he, he had obtained her number through a modeling agency, of course, and he brings her back to his apartment, which he says uh, is his photo studio, mm. and they're going to do a pinup shoot. And he ties her up and gag, gags her, which she goes along with because he says that's part of it. So yeah. he has that fucking ploy and then so there's some photos of her I've always looked at those photos and I do the thing where I look deep in the person's eye to be like did you know anything you know I try to study it yeah and in the first photos that she's like that tied up fully clothed in her like you know normal clothing and it doesn't look like she realizes I don't think anything had happened yet that he had attacked her but uh then after taking those photos he holds her at gunpoint and then he repeatedly rapes her and takes photos of her makes her pose the whole time and this was the first time so it's said that this is the first time his his assault had escalated to rape and i read in a couple places that that's where he lost his virginity but and it, only in a couple places so i don't know if that's true okay 
But and yeah, how could you know that unless he said it? I, he blabbed later. Oh, okay. So it's possible he said that. Whoa, that's weird. Isn't that weird? Of all that sexual stuff going on for since he was four years old. Yeah. And this is when he loses his virginity. Yeah. That's intense. And then what kind of hatred must he have if he like has to think? So yeah. this is he's a fucking horrible person. It's not good. There's photos of her, Judy, during the whole ordeal, both before and after she comes to the realization that he's this monster. After the rape and assault, Harvey drives Judy out to a secluded location in the Mojave Desert, Ugh. which is outside of Los Angeles. Not good. Where he strangles her, her to death with a piece of rope and buries her out in the desert. He then takes the rope that he had used to bind her and strangle her with him, and he uses it later. <laughs> Jude, Judy's skeletal remains are discovered later in December, but she wouldn't be identified until months later. Seven months after he kills Judy, he finds his next victim. He actually met Shirley Ann Bridgeford, a 24-year-old divorcee and mother of two, through a Lonely Hearts ad. Oh. Again, using a fake name. Um, so it's one of those, like, it's fucking Craigslist. Like, do you want to meet up and go on a date before Craigslist existed? Yeah, and then it had that also the innocence of, like, late 50s, early 60s or whatever, where it's like, you write a letter and then in your mind, yeah. you know, some man who also has a lonely heart is going Yeah, even the name, Lonely Hearts, it's yeah. like, we're sad and alone. And, uh, and innocent. Right. Innocent and sweet, almost, where right. it's just like, oy, yeah. here come the pervs. Um, Harvey picks up Shirley under the pretense of taking her to a dance, but once they're in the car, he's like, hey, can we not go dancing and instead can we take a long drive in the country and maybe we'll get dinner along the way? And she's just like, okay. So they drove south. No. I know. The answer's no. No. And they end up in the foothills of the Vallecito Mountains near Anza State Park. Don't know what that is. <laughs> and you are a lifelong Southern California nerd? Yeah, I'm going to guess they changed the name. Yeah, they then. did. It's to now fuck called, you over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's now called, uh, what, you know? Oh, the San Gabriel Mountains. Yes, actually, I think. Yeah. Okay. There at gunpoint, he forces her to undress. He ties her up and photographs her. So I think this is one. Of, there's a couple photos of a woman on a picnic blanket in her clothes, again, tied up. And I think that in these photos, you can tell that she knows, like in her eyes, you can see this like worry across her forehead. She's gagged and bound. And it's really horrifying and awful. I mean, I just would like to, as the person who doesn't look at these pictures, I would just like to say, sometimes when you look at those pictures, they do not leave your mind. Uh-huh. That's why I don't sleep at night. I know, but I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me this like, oh, really? Because I just forget about him. I just don't don't look too many of those. It's so oh my upsetting. God, it's too late. It's so upsetting. I know. It's so late. Okay. I, well, I look at all of those and I can't stop. I know. And then I can't sleep and I have anxiety. Yeah. And I love it. Okay. In a weird way. Yeah. Well, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's a controlled uh, bad feeling experiment. Yeah. And I feel like it makes me understand the crime a little more like you know that that photo there's nothing going on in it you would think it's just a normal like a, a bound pinup photo from the 50s right yes well and it's that thing of like the, the looking at looking for the difference yeah the difference of when a person is like okay here's your dumb thing that yeah I'm oh i'm doing. scared yeah oh and then the difference of that of holy fuck I've i mean made she a just has mistake. this like across her forehead this worry yeah across her forehead that is Ugh, horrifying yeah um 
da, 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 da. Okay, then he takes her to the same desert where he had taken Judy and strangles her with the same rope. He uh. uses the same rope and takes it home with him. And he leaves her body unburied in the desert. So Harvey found his next victim, R- Ruth Mercado, who's 24, again through the modeling agency. And when he arrives at her place for a planned photo shoot, she's like, you know what? I have a headache. Get out of here. This isn't going to happen. Oh, good. No. Um, And he leaves, but he returns to her house a couple hours later and breaks in and again, repeatedly rapes her at gunpoint throughout the night. It's possible that he even made her sit next to him and watch his favorite sitcom with her. Oh, man. Like he's just a psychopath. Yeah. In the morning, he forces her to walk to his car and then he drives her to the desert where he photographs her tied up, forcing her to pose. And then he kills her again in the same manner with the same fucking rope. Wow. I know. That's horrible. Uh, Harvey later stated, she was the one I really liked. So I told her we were going out to a deserted spot where we wouldn't be bothered while I took more pictures. He later said, uh, we drove out to the Escondido district and spent most of the day out in the desert. I took a lot more pictures and tried and tried to figure out how to keep from killing her. But I couldn't come up with an answer. Yeah, because you're a fucking psychopath. Yeah. Um, and also, I hate when they, I hate hearing from the killers because, like, him going, like, she's the one I like. The yeah. Most. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. You fucking. Yeah, whatever. No, 100%. You're right. I don't care which one you like. It doesn't. Yeah. That's not. Your preferences are not interesting. Right. It, like, doesn't make her a better person because you somehow didn't want to kill her. You liking her or not liking her, she still went through hell. Yeah. Because of you being a psychopath. Totally. Um, so she's reported missing on July 27th, 1958 by her landlords four days after she left for a photo shoot with an unknown man. So his next, so his next potential victim is 28 year old Lorraine Weigel. Uh, Weigel had just registered with the modeling agency when she was contacted by Harvey for her first photo shoot. Okay. So after the appointment was scheduled for them to meet up, Lorraine got a call from the owner of the modeling agency who was a woman and she was like look this dude just came in here he needs a model I gave him your number but I just want to let you know he's be careful with this loser she says quote be careful with this loser she got a fucking bad vibe from him yes she said he's not a professional and is rather creepy you know what I mean Yes. So she warns her. Yes. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Just tell, call a gal up and just be like, I don't get a a great feeling. So just so you know. Yeah. But she needs the money. And so she decides, you know what? I can deal with this. Right. Creepy guy. So on October 27th, 1958, Lorraine is picked up by Harvey and isn't worried at all until he starts driving in the opposite direction of where they were supposed to be going. He gets on the fucking Santa Ana freeway Mm -hmm. and starts going south towards Orange County. Uh Uh-huh. <laughs> There's n- no photo shoots need to happen in Orange County. Nothing good happens down there, clearly. Except Disneyland. <laughs> um, and even that. Um, <laughs> so he starts driving crazy and erratic, and she's like, Where are we going? This isn't the right direction. Slow down. And she says that he wouldn't look at her or even answer her questions. E. So after they drove for a while, Lorraine wouldn't stop berating him. And he suddenly pulls over to the side of the freeway off ramp and he pulls a gun on her and then tries to tie her up but Lorraine is like fuck no she grabs the gun by the muzzle and starts to fucking wrestle with him yes he 
tries to convince her that if she let go of the gun, uh, he wouldn't kill her. But she was like, fuck you. Bullshit. This isn't, you're an idiot. They fight over the gun. The gun goes off and it passes through Lorraine's skirt, grazing her thigh. Whoa. Yeah. But she's still fucking struggling. And at that point, she fucking goes down and bites his hand and he lets go of the gun. She fucking tumbles out of the car. He's like grabbing at her sweater, trying to get her. She holds the gun on him until the cops show up. Yes. It's fucking right. It's like a citizen's arrest. Absolutely. Hell yes. So Highway Patrolman Tom Mulligan later testified that he, quote, he had a lunatic stare. I'll never forget that wild look he had in his eyes. Wow. Police arrested him. Arrest Harvey. So can I just say? Yeah. How beautiful uh-huh. did Tom Mulligan look when he pulled up and oh. Lorraine is standing there with this guy at gunpoint? Yeah. She's just like, thank fucking yeah. God. She's, there's some bad news, but. Okay. Oh, shoot. Well, here's the thing I was going to say. Actually. Instead of being celebrated for her courage, and this, and he gets taken in and he admits to these three murders Lorraine is dismissed from her job as a result of the notoriety and uh, reports circulated that she'd known that Harvey was an ex-con when she accepted the modeling job oh so, so they is... fucking victim blamed the shit out of the fucking hero of our story sure they did of course they did let's give Lorraine Weigel some fucking props V-I-G-A-L V-I-G-I-L 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 oh Weigel Weigel uh, or like, vigil vigil she's a vigilante vigil oh my god v-i-g-i-l vigil um i mean shit i feel like a dick for saying no that's what, i mean who knows yeah i think you're we right we never know the correct pronunciation it's wrong that's no matter amazing. what like she yeah that is the good part i think that we are evolving that story's changing yes we're changing it it's taken 500 years <laughs> okay <laughs> So police arrest Harvey, and after hours of interrogation, he's in, he admits to the pr- three previous murders. He eventually leads police to the toolbox in his apartment that contains pictures of hundreds of women that he had assaulted, including his three murder victims. All of in, all of so after he had murdered the three women, he had tied them up and put them in various poses and taken photos of them of their dead bodies. Yeah. So oh. the police were even like, "You didn't look at those, did you?" There aren't any. Okay, you can't good. find them. Good, no, good, no, 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 no. I didn't, but I would have. Oh, I know, I know. I just feel, I feel a little obligated. I've talked about this before where it's like, if I'm going to talk about these women who ha- went through this horrible shit, I feel like I should fucking witness it. You Maybe. know? But That's just, just my feeling. Grade the impact. Okay. Just keep your eye on the impact. You're right. Thank you. I, my, my thera- as my therapist, you, <laughs> I appreciate that. As the least qualified therapist on the planet, <laughs> listen to every word I say. That's right. <clears throat> um, no, you're right, though. Thank you for saying that okay da, 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 da. photos all right finally so he takes the cops to the sites and they find the bodies um and he tells investigators that he da, da, da. okay so he becomes known in the in media as the lonely hearts killer and the glamour girl slayer mm. when he's put on trial for his crimes he pleads guilty and repeatedly asks to get the death penalty Whoa. And even attempts to stop the automatic appeal given after he does, in fact, get the death penalty. Wow. So he's like, kill me. Shit. I know. Which makes me wonder, like, psychologically what was going on in his head. Yeah. Because it's all, there's a little bit of, I, I mean, he also admitted to everything, brought them to all yeah. the bodies, like, gave everybody closure, kind of like shut the whole it's scenario down. It's almost like, down. I'm totally aware that the, I, it's almost like it was, 
he wanted to kill that person who murdered all those women too. He wanted to kill that guy too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It makes sense. Um, and um, da, 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 he in, on September 17th, 19th, I just had a brain. <laughs> I think it's called a stroke. On December 17th, 1996, Judge John A. Hewicker found, found Harvey Glattman, who's now only, he's 31 at this point, Whoa. finds him guilty in the murders of Shirley Bridgeford and Ruth Mercado. He's sentenced to death, and on September 18th, 1959, he goes to San Quentin's infamous green room. Did you know that was what it was called? I didn't know that's what it was called. Where he's put to death by inhaling cyanide. Shit. Um, and later, once this is coined, he's recognized as one of the nation's first serial killers. Yeah. Um, and Even, like, using the same rope is, like, yeah. very, like, storybook serial And killer. he's keeping a memento, which is the photographs. Yeah, Like, that was his thing to relive it over and over again. They talk about it in the, you know, what are the, what's the detective? Who, Mindhunter? Yeah. yeah. They talk about in the books and stuff that they write because he's yeah he's er, he's early perfect example yeah so any of those books you read this guy's talked about so it's possible that harvey is responsible for another murder this one's a cold case in april on april 8th 1954 two this is way before this the first murder um two university of colorado students hiking near boulder falls found the body of a naked and beaten young woman along the banks of the of the boulder creek she became known as boulder jane doe until 55 years later in fucking 2009 when this woman a 25 year old woman named michelle fowler who's clearly a fucking murderino <laughs> is like wants to do some sleuthing on her what would have been her great aunt's disappearance she disappeared when she was a teenager she had done all this like she didn't even live in boulder she was just like doing all this web sleuth and like put these things together and she uh her send in some dna and it turns out that jane doe was her long lost missing great aunt wow dorothy gay howard known as dot wow Dottie. Um, and they exhumed the body. They did DNA testing. She was 18 years old when she was reported mix missing from Phoenix, Arizona. And a theory based on circumstantial evidence is that Harvey Glattman, who was in Colorado at the time, who there's some circumstantial stuff like with the car he was driving leads to her being uh, maybe one of his first murder victims. Wow. But there's, I haven't found any information updating it. Uh, and that is the story of the Glamour Girl Slayer. That was great. Thank you. Uh, God, that guy's... I mean... Steve fucking Buscemi. Stop <sighs> it. Poor Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, he gets looped into all this stuff anytime. And he's a listener, has, like, so he's probably really upset right now. <laughs> you imagine Steve Buscemi listening to this podcast? Could you imagine? Oh. oh, I would get so nervous. I know, me too. Because um, you know why? Steve Buscemi is the shit... He started as a fireman. What? Yeah, he was a fireman before he got started getting acting parts. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he was a he was a San Francisco. Uh, he was a New York City fireman, and on 9-11, the firehouse he used to work in was one of the ones that lost a bunch of <gasps> firefighters. Oh. And he did all this volunteer work and went down and like went. I mean, he's Sibushami's the fucking shit. Oh my god, I love. Aside him. from being. One of the best actors ever in one of the best movies, Fargo. Mm -hmm. Like he also Boardwalk Empire. Oh, so good. The best. So good. I love him. Love him. Um, and on on a Steve Buscemi note, let's do fucking hooray. Okay, great. Actually, I need a second. Well, there's the standing fucking hooray of Steve Buscemi. Obviously. Yeah. If you haven't seen him in Ghost World. Yeah. Please. My fucking hooray is the 
like enormous vat of nacho cheese that you brought to my birthday party <laughs> last weekend and i just want to thank you for it it was just the funniest fucking thing you brought karen brought a crock pot like a family size crock pot <laughs> filled to the fucking brim of nacho cheese we plugged it in and it was and you and i appreciate you holding court and you just like it was fun thank you for doing that and then late and then we left it out for like two days vince and i <laughs> and i was like well we should just leave it in here and give it to karen full <laughs> yeah but then we ended up having like it was so and it was still so full that vince and i had to like had a team up to to dump it out when i i didn't really think about this but so so I said to Georgia, you know, like, tell me what I can bring yeah. and like the, in the forceful friend way where you're like, de- de- uh, delegate. Yeah, instead of being like, no, just yeah. come. Oh, we're shopping. I'll get everything. I was like, no, come on. There's got to be some yeah. stuff. And like, then she started I, throwing out dip dips. And I was like, yeah, yeah okay. Dips. You, you know, you want some Limpton onion dip. Oh, and you did. And it was amazing. Ruffles. Yeah. Made a couple of those. But then I was going to make um, like homemade nacho, like queso, basically. Yeah. And I was looking up recipes and I was doing this, that and the other thing. And when I went to go shop, I was worried about if I put something together, what if I had this big vat of something that tastes like shit? <laughs> so I was really concerned because yeah. I'd never te- tested out like uh, my own queso recipe. Yeah, especially when you have to make, you have to like triple the recipe because it's so big and stuff. It's scary. Yeah. And then I do, what makes me a bad cook is I kind of give up in the middle often <laughs> where I'm like, this sucks. And then just whatever. When I was shopping at Smart and Final, uh, I Plug. looked up in the like where I was in the like Hispanic food section mm-hmm. and I look up at the top shelf and there is a can of nacho cheese sauce that is as big as my head oh and my I was God. just like problem solved I'm gonna have this thing done in 20 minutes I got two cans of Rotel diced spiced tomatoes oh my god and I pulled down that plastic cheese sauce that they serve I kept saying it they serve it at the roller skating rink yep. and p- dumped so it into de- that everyone crock loves at a party it's so delicious it is it's like it's easy to eat it seems like it's made of plastic it's very like you shouldn't be doing it it's really orange it it was bright orange um and people the fun part was and this is what i always have to do because a i can't be out in the sun so like it was a pool party georgia's um whole area was it was like there's tons of young beautiful people all around the pool and i was like what's that a pool house with air conditioning (laughs) goodbye and i noped out of the patio area and then plugged in that cheese sauce on the counter and pretended that I needed to stand next to it for the <laughs> for the next three hours oh my god um, but then we had a great time because someone started playing um the drinking game asshole which is like a card oh, game yeah. that Joe DeRosa taught us yeah we start playing it and at some point about an hour in fucking Kara Clank walks in and she's a comic friend of ours um she is one of my favorite people and one of the funniest fucking people. She's a good person to have at parties, too. She is perfection. She yeah. starts, like, in telling everybody what the actual rules are. She's, like, you can, like grabbing cards out of people's Bossy. hands and be like, you need to go over there, like, managing it. shit. Yeah. But also hilarious. She has that camp vibe, too, where she's, like, yes. it's, your, like, good times. Your camp friend. Yes. Dollar. Managed good times. Yeah. So it then it kicked it up to, like, the next higher level of, like, then it got real loud in there. It was really fun. Uh, well, thank you for making that and 100%. supporting me on my birthday. Happy Throwing birthday, birthday again. parties are scary, and thank you for doing that. Well, I love that you were like, so, um, you're like, it starts at two, and I don't know. You were, it was like you were really tiptoeing, and I'm like, 
Oh, dude, I'm being there. I'm going to be there at yeah. 1.30. That's the whole idea. That's the best is having early friends. You have to have early it's friends. It's so important in, your, in one's life to and have also, early friends. Have friends that, yeah, have friends that will come and stake out the bench that you want with you. Yes. Early. I, we'll be there and like, okay, well, yeah, we'll go to that restaurant. We'll eat lunch yeah. there and then we'll just take over the back end. Sure. It's like people that are going to like basically like three to five man team yeah. your lizzie and i did it for you the birth- for your birthday exactly so, so we have to do you know when lizzie's birthday is sometime <laughs> i think it's in november okay good because yeah. now we have to do it for okay. her all right what's your fucking array but also when i pulled up i pulled that crock pot out and i was like if you can take this i will park my car and then bring the rest of the bags myself yeah and she was like okay yeah and then tell. i handed her a 90 pound crock pot <laughs> filled with like the most typical over nacho cheese yeah it was like a tidal wave of cheese it was good it was great we should have poured in the pool and gone swimming <laughs> um it was the first day of like summertime feelings yeah. though. And I was just like, I am going to be miserable this summer. People, I don't have a pool, by the way. It's an apartment building that has a pool in the fucking... George's indoor pool dome with a slide <laughs> and a lifeguard. That I own and it was a million dollars. <laughs> she owns and operates her own pool. Yeah. Mine was is just TV shows because I did watch some uh, crime-based TV shows. But goddamn, one of my faves, hmm. Marcella, mm. or on the show, they often call her Marcella, mm-hmm. but I won't say it that way. Mm-hmm. Season two of Marcella is on Netflix. It is better, I believe, better than season one. Wow. And way darker. My friend Molly Davis texted me and was like, she, I think she texted me right after, you know how Midnight puts things up? I mean, Netflix put things up at midnight. Mm-hmm. So she texted me like, you better be watching this. It was like one of those texts of, I hope you're watching this because it's crazy. And then I just binged it all day long. Oh my God, I love it. And her sweaters, the thing I always talked about for season one was like, she. there's one scene where she has a maroon sweater on that like broke my heart for yeah. some reason. It's like the best sweater I'd ever seen. The sweaters just come fast oh. and loose in this season. Sweaters. It, it's like they knew how good they were last time. Also, she wears a lot of pants as floods. So she'll have a big pair of like Oxford wingtips on uh-huh. or w- one or the other or both. And then, and then like no socks and then her pants start like, Cute. it's the cutest look. And then I'm like, I love that look. And then it's like, I always love the look of a girl who's, she's probably four foot eight. Oh yeah. It's like little, little wafy girls can dress like old yeah. men and pull it off and it looks great. Yeah. That's for them. Yeah. Good luck with that. Everyone. I stay in the pool house. And then the other <laughs> one is there's, there's a series on stars called CB strike. That's okay. also British. That's great and amazing. And I, I'm only two episodes in, but I love it. Can I suggest a show too? I just remember there's Please. a show called succession. I think it's on HBO. It's on HBO. Oh, okay. Because I looked for that on like Apple TV and oh, Netflix right, I and I couldn't it. find it. It's it's HBO. Okay. I think you can get it on, I don't know. It's on HBO. But Cullen Culkin? Macaulay Culkin's Macaulay. little brother. Oh, yes. Cullen, I think his name is? Yes. I think that it, doesn't sound right. I think Colin Culkin? No, no one would do that. Well, there's a couple younger brothers. He, he plays... The real good actor one? Yeah. He plays the best douchebag. He slaps his sister in the face. It's essentially, it's so fucking good. It's almost like if Veep were really, really dark. 
Shit. So it's this family. The, the patriarch is this fucking rich asshole with his own company. All his kids are trying to get control of the company. Which oh. one is it? Kieran Culkin. Kieran. Kieran. I knew Colin Culkin wasn't a fucking... Kieran. K- Kieran he is Culkin. so good. He was the um, Scott Pilgrim's gay roommate yeah. in, the, in that movie. And he was so excellent in that part. Yeah. It's a real succession. It's a fucking great show. I don't know. This girl who plays the sister is fucking excellent too. Succession. I have to watch it's that. It's really fucking fun. You'll like it. Very it's good. Like rich people too yeah so it's like this how they live sorry i (laughs) I love it i stood on your no you did not okay i almost think we might need to pull uh our show recommendations out of fucking hooray it's gonna make it harder yeah and just have them be like just do do yeah we'll talk about it i mean we're gonna do something be more spiritual yeah I don't know. Thankful. Okay, we'll do it. But sometimes I'm just a I'm just a straight up hermit, and I haven't left the house, so I can only be thankful for TV shows. <laughs> I'm thankful for Elvis sitting next to me right now, and the yeah. way he was looking at me when I was telling my story just now. Did you see it? Yeah, he was riveted. He was just looking at my face, like, "Bitch, where's my cookie?" <laughs> Bitch, we are long past my the line. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, thanks for listening, you guys. Um, do, you know, do stuff. Be good. Be good. Thanks for the, your support. We love you. We do. Stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye, Goodbye. Elvis. Want cookie? Ah, Whoa! He wouldn't even let me finish. <laughs> Want cookie? Ah, good boy. Good boy. <laughs>